This is a KUNV Studios original program. You're listening to special programming sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. Man, I got some exciting guests here today. And I usually say I'm excited. I, these guys are exciting because of the work that they do within our community. So we have uh, Brother Rodney Smith, of course, and retired captain out of La- North Las Vegas Fire Department, Cedric Williams. So hang on to your seats, y'all. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, first, I'd like to mention... Uh, Miss Isabel Daniels uh, recently passed away, the wife of a golf coach, Lee Daniels. I just learned uh, at her services, in fact, that she was inspirational in getting Lee and Johnny Griffin to even start the junior golf program. And, boy, if if I had known that, gentlemen, I would have stepped up to that mic and said something about it because some... You know, people say, he, he speak at every field. No, I do not. I speak if I have something to say and if I know the person. I don't know. I didn't know her very well. But for what she has done in terms of getting young folks involved in golf, she's very. this lady was very, very quiet, nice, cool, laid back. I never seen her raise her voice. But she whispered in her ear, in the ear of her, her, her deceased husband, as she is as well now. And this other brother and told him, y'all need to do something for our kids. Y'all run around and spend all this time on the golf course. What y'all going to do for the children? So, uh, Cap, I know you can relate to that. Look, um, something else I want to say real quickly. I, I talked about some birthdays uh, at the last show, and that was my wife, uh, of course, Eddie Bunch, Ray Feaster. There's a few people who are having birthdays in the month of February. Also, I talked a little bit, and I'll say a couple more words about uh, – Retired and recently became an ancestor, Battalion Chief Lawrence Wycliffe. Again, as I mentioned, Lawrence and I never became very close. But the one thing I knew about him, and people said it continuously about him, he was a master on the fire ground. He knew it very, very well. So hope God was pleased with the brother. And, you know, we've lost a number of, of firefighters recently, and I don't, I don't know what Lawrence's particular case was, but for Mike Patterson— Clark County Fire Department. I didn't know about Mike Pass until he had passed. Then we had Bernie Rhodes. There's several others that I keep telling these guys, man, and I know, Rodney, you are familiar with legislative process, as you are, Cedric. Look, I don't care nothing about what a law says because it can be changed. And what they did was initially, if you came down, and I called the firefighters, whether they've been to the military or not, they are our domestic warriors. So I suggest that we start fighting, pushing, nudging, whatever we got to do. I don't care from the state to the federal uh, legislators. Look, they, 
at first it was only about five or six con- cancers that that one would have. You come down with that, the federal government will give some stipend to your family. Now it's more. And then, and w- when Benny Scott and them, Dave and them died, it was only if you contracted cancer like ten years after you retired, they ain't gonna even talk to you. Now they have passed a law that says more cancers and they will talk to you and they will do things for your family. But anybody before 2019, scratch them from the books. And I'm like, wait a minute. We can send all this money to all these other countries. You name them, we send money and we can't take care of the families of our domestic warriors. That, that and, uh, Ramadan told me, he said, man, you ain't gonna never stop <laughs> stirring. Are you? I said, no, man, because we, we help everybody around the world. These are domestic warriors that, and their families need to be taken care of. So I ain't gonna drag y'all into that, but <laughs> my first guest, Mr. Rodney Smith. How you doing, brother? I am doing well. Thank you for bringing me on the show. For sure. Please uh, enlighten our listening guests, our audience, our listening guests, our audience, a little bit about who Rodney is and what branch of service did you serve in and how long? So my family is from North Carolina, uh, my great-grandfather actually was a slave in South Carolina mm. uh, during the Great Migration. My uh, mom moved to New York. I grew up in New York, uh, Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy to be exact, and uh, went to college, then couldn't get a job, and uh, Air Force is always hiring. <laughs> so joined the uh, Air Force in 1981, and uh, that's actually what brought me out to Las Vegas. Mm. I was stationed on the uh, uh, test facility, mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, exposed me to Las Vegas. And believe me, the only thing I knew about Nevada was the Ponderosa and Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I I went and did a couple of tours someplace else, but mm-hmm. when it was time to retire, the only place I could think of to retire. Matter of fact, there was no other place that I considered retiring other than Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought it was uniquely suited for young people and specifically African-American people to grow up with the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also I saw it as being the crossroads of this country and an opportunity to change this country right here from Las Vegas. Okay, so what were your jobs while in the military? Job or jobs? So the technical description was tactical aircraft maintenance specialist. And then from that, uh, because my first aircraft was A-37 and various models of F-4s and uh, the most time on F-4G while weasels, Mm -hmm. I got uh, picked for some classified programs and one of the aircraft that came out of that, uh, well, some of the aircraft that came out of those programs was the uh, F-117 a stealth fighter, mm-hmm. the B two A Spirit, as well as the F twenty two. So and and some other things that have yet to be publicly uh, acknowledged. So how many years did you serve? Twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. All right. The captain retired. Uh, the tracks. <laughs> the track man and former uh, treasure for camp. Brotherhood Camp Sisterhood. <laughs> this brother here been all over with, with young people. That's why he has that young look. Man, you cut that stuff off your face. You look like you're 17. What's going on, Cap? 
Nothing much, Chief. Thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Yeah, when I saw him at the parade, I'm like, man, I see a guest. <laughs> and when I saw him on this podcast, I, I still got it. I am so, man, I'm so challenged when it comes to technology. I was watching him and my cousin, and, and I want you to talk a little bit about that in a minute, but I was so excited about what they were talking about, about these young people, man. And somebody called me, and I lost it. I couldn't find it. I got to get back to the show. But tell us, uh, what branch of military did you serve in and how long? I served in the U.S. Army, uh, (laughs) and uh, I did for eight years right out of high school. I joined joined out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a young kid here, born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Had a eh, rough growing up. I was actually homeless at 12 years old, and Mm. I ended up, um, my grandparents, took me in, came out, found me, took me in, and uh, and raised me from that point. And so uh, in high school, I was, I was supposed to be one of the first kids to go off to college, and uh, I had a little girlfriend, and, uh, and those plans got changed because um, she got, we got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember my grandfather, he used to, he didn't know what he was, what he was doing when he was pouring in me, but he always used to pour into me. And, uh, we were driving down Lake Mead and, and, uh, Las Vegas Boulevard one day. And at this time I knew she was pregnant Mm -hmm. and I saw, we saw a young man pushing a stroller with a baby in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he said, you see that? (laughs) He said, that's called taking care of your responsibilities. That's right. And so uh, I didn't tell him that I turned <laughs> down my my scholarship. But when I did, I think that was the first time my grandmother cried mm. uh, because of something I did. So I could not take care of a baby. So I decided uh, the, the, the young lady that was pregnant, she was going to join the military. Mm. So I was like, well, since she can't, I will. Mm-hmm. And it helped us. We ended up getting married. We had two children out of that marriage and still good friends to this day. And um and so I joined the Army, uh, went off to Fort Drum, New York, where I was a 76 Yankee. Um, <laughs> I wish I'd have known when I was taking those tests. So, okay, you're smart. You just got to know which job to pick. And so. Uh, so tell those those non-military folks what the 76 Yankee is. So they are quartermaster. Basically, they're unit supply, okay. small arm specialists. So uh-huh. when I came out at, uh, and joined it at 18 years of age, they sat me in an arms room, signed over $20 million of equipment, and told me, go fly. And so uh, that's where it started for me. Uh, eventually, I promoted, ended up coming out of there, going into our battalion. And um, and when it was getting time for my ETS, <laughs> in time served, mm-hmm. uh, they tried to recruit me to take over the whole battalion's mm-hmm. arms room. And they offered some money back then. Mm-hmm. Those MOSs were highly sought after. Mm-hmm. And I went and visited, and um, I was really thinking about it. But in Fort Drum, New York, it's no, it's no <laughs> town USA. Yes. And I hit some ice after that trip, black ice, that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I did not stop rolling. I said, Dale, I am done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time to leave. And so... <laughs> I did three active years there. It was actually during Desert Storm, and then I did five years reserve. Okay, cool. 
Now, Rodney, back to you. Even though you dispute my my definition of you or or suggestion that you are an activist, and you said you're a farmer. That's something you said. So anyway, uh, I know that you do a lot. I know there's something that you've been doing annually at the Martin Luther King statue. Tell our listening audience a little bit about that. And then, then I want to roll into what you were doing on the podcast where you were talking about the youth. So about 17 years ago, a young lady came up to me and said, Rodney, can you believe they're not doing anything in the community for Martin Luther King's birthday? Mm-hmm. And I was a little surprised and said, well, let's call up the city council. Let's call up the commission and let's find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And pretty much they told us if we wanted something to do it ourselves. And so that young lady was Stephanie Washington. So that's what we did is we wanted people to recognize the significance of our Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. statue, Mm -hmm. the fact that it's on a street uh, formerly Highland Drive that was named after, at the time, there was only about 125 uh, streets in the country that were named after Dr. Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. and we had one, and none of them had a statue on it. So we had a street named after Dr. King. We had a statue on the a larger-than-life right. size statue on the street named after Dr. Martin Luther King. It also had running water to go along with his speech. And I thought, we have one of the most remarkable statues of Dr. King in the world. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think there was only like maybe nine or, or 10 that even existed. And right where North Las Vegas and Las Vegas met to show unity, which was right in line with Dr. King and the beloved community, right. we said we have to do something. So that's when we started playing the speeches at the Dr. King statue. And that turned out turned into the annual uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Candlelight Vigil. We just had our 16th annual Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Candlelight Vigil. And at that time, I did a presentation of um, passing the baton mm-hmm. to uh, a younger group, a team of people. So if they so choose that they could carry that on. And, and I wanted it to be a public display of transition so that people my age and some even older would see that it is okay to pass it on to the younger people. You know, to that point, I know Cedric knows that I run a, a nonprofit called the Carl Holmes Executive Development Institute. I'm the president and CEO. I, I call myself the leader from the middle because I, I, there'll be one Dr. Holmes. He's, a tra- he's an ancestor now. But I report to five directors because, see, Dave Washington, sometimes I can be crazy, man. I, I, <laughs> not you, Dave. Not you. I, I, I tell him, I, I, I move, shoot up the place, and then ask questions later. And sometimes I get in trouble, and I've been in trouble a lot. But the, the bottom line for me is I know, and I've already told the, the board, that maybe two years I'll be gone, and we need to be trying to prepare mm-hmm. on who we think should be the leader, the next leader, because – one thing I have always felt, you can't stay around forever. And Las Vegas Fire and Rescue, Fire Chief, six years, I felt I just started to ship to turn the ship to build a better culture. Cultures, can, as we know, can change in a short time. Sometimes it take a long time. They still ain't there. And I'm not going to stay around. I've been retired, I think, 17 years now. And you know what? 
don't call me about nothing down there because I don't work down there. <laughs> and do I care? Yes, because I'm keeping my eyes on, as I mentioned in, in a text to you, and I'm come to you now, and I, we'll come back to you on, on the young people thing. But it is so important that we just don't go for anything. We need to stand up and be counted. And, I, and I'm seeing things that, that bothers me because this brother should have been and I know you want to probably put a muzzle on him. No, I ain't going to put no muzzle on me because I got something to say. You should have been a chief officer. And they still, how long you been retired now? Almost six years. Ain't that something? And they still, and I met with an individual twice trying to make that happen. Because in politics, there's always some give and take. And they be, they be let's go old school, they horse trade all the time. And I'm I'm telling this woman, somebody must owe you something. I'm thinking, couldn't get it done. But it, it bothers me because to this day, and you look throughout this valley and see how many chief officers there are and how few there are of African descent. And that's unfortunate. It's sad. And we are sharp. And you know how many chief officers have come out of EDI and how many fire chiefs? So we know we got the skill set, and you graduated from EDI. Yes. And that's not to say, don't get me wrong, <laughs> and I won't call his brother's name because he's still mad at me because he, he went through EDI and thought he should be a chief officer and won't do certain things, and I'm watching you not do. Roddy, you know as well as anybody else, you never know who's watching you. So you stay that's on right. top of your game all the time. Tell us about what's going on at the school that you're that you're running the track team. I want to know something about that because I, so, I didn't realize you was over there. I have been coaching track and field. This will be my 33rd year mm. of coaching. And uh, my life story is why I mm. do it. And mm. I feel like it's been a calling for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I never wanted to go to high school. But some of my athletes and some of their um, – and some of their uh, – uh, uh, parents mm -hmm. were going to uh, this school, which is Faith Lutheran High School, mm -hmm. and uh, and so they kind of they kind of did a four corner press on me, and so you I did. you yeah. was volunteer, yeah, 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 and so and, and I love it. I'm working on my third generation of kids mm -hmm. um, that have gone on and had wonderful lives that I always remember and continue to give back, and so yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's a blessing to have that opportunity to still be able to do that. Absolutely. And, and what I love about coaches in general, I'm talking about all sports, black, white, male, female coaches, they touch so many lives, man. Not everybody is going to become the ultimate track star that everybody loves, the Usain Bowles and all of that. But the character that you guys help to develop, it is, yeah, man. I tell them. Uh, one, I call them my babies, and I tell them my job is to get you to and through college mm -hmm. and be productive citizens in this community. And if you don't select college, at least we have a plan. That's right. Uh, some type of a foundation. And I've had kids that have been on my, been with me since they're five years old mm -hmm. and grown with kids now mm -hmm. that are on the team. So, yeah, it's 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 it was my my call for certain. Great, excellent. So that's perfect segue into the youth. Now, this thing that you and my cousin was talking about, Miss Bywaters, does she have a PhD now, or is she working on a PhD? Uh, she's still working on a, a doctoral thesis. Okay, tell us about what you guys had 
your big discussion about it. Like I said, I missed part of it, couldn't get back, but I'll, I'll figure that so, out. So Camila Bywaters is running for um, school board trustee of District E. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we had spoken about was so many parents say once they get elected, we don't hear from them. Mm-hmm. And so what she decided to do was she wanted to make sure that she heard from the people before she got elected so mm-hmm. she would know exactly what it is that they mm-hmm. wanted from her mm-hmm. so she could take that with her. And that once she did get elected, that she would stay in contact with him on a weekly basis um, using technology with a podcast. And so she asked if I would be willing to do a podcast with her Mm -hmm. where we talk about issues that are specifically related to education. Mm -hmm. And obviously the education is there for the children. And so we were having a discussion about children and we were having a discussion about some of the things that children have to deal with today Mm -hmm. that we probably didn't have to deal with when we were growing up, right. how that impacts them, the roles of the school counselors mm-hmm. for the children, right. also the importance of them for the teachers and the rest of the staff because there, there's the things that we dealt with and then there's the things that they have to deal with that we probably never thought of. Right. Um, homelessness mm-hmm. uh, was something that was almost unheard of when I was in school for our children, mm-hmm. but we have a large population of homeless children uh, in, in this district, right? Uh, the fifth largest school district in the nation. Mm-hmm. And that impacts how a child learns. That's right. As you know, I'm with the Samuel L. Smith Educational Foundation, and one of the reasons why we give food to schools in, in the name of Sam, uh, because Sam was all about reading and learning, and it's hard to read and learn if you're hungry. That's right. And so we started donating food to the schools. So on Fridays, when the children leave school, some of them don't have a full meal again until they come back that Monday. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that when they left on Friday, that one, they had food, their families had food, but maybe just as important that they knew that there was someone who cared about them. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So this this new term, y'all, Kim, that's what I want you to explain. And I know I heard him like, what the heck is that? Because we have the, the Gen X, the this, the that. What was that term, y'all? Come on. So it's actually, it was a new term for me. Oh, okay. And it's um, Gen, uh, Gen Alpha. Mm. And when you read up on Gen Alpha, it's reminiscent of um, the 1980s New York when they talked about super predators. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they don't say super predators now. They're calling them Gen Alpha. Mm. But they are giving them the same reputation that they gave to those so-called super predators back in New York in the day that led to some uh, black youth being incarcerated for a crime that they didn't commit. And one recently became a city council member in New York. Um, So we want to talk about that because we don't want our children mislabeled, especially with something as derogatory as that that might impact them for life. You know, uh, when I was serving as fire chief, one of the things, there was a book that came out, and it talked, this probably 25 years ago now, yeah, give or take, no, 23 years. But anyway, it talked about the generation difference. It was a Gen X, whoever it was, man, I'm like, we need to be reading this stuff, man, because they are different. The way we deliver, to include at EDI, the way we deliver our lesson plans, Man, we, we had a retreat, Cedric, Cap, and a couple of young, we said, we got to invite young people. We had invited some young guys. Man, they they ripped us apart. They said, who is these three old guys standing in front of, we want to see some action. Guess who it was? 
me, Gene, and Bert <laughs> standing in front of Dylan. We just, they said, man, you gotta have some motion, man. Y'all just standing there looking like statues. <laughs> and we said, hey, man, that's the truth. So if you look on our website now, it's got more motion to it versus just a mm-hmm. bunch of steel pictures. But uh, tell us a little bit about. I think it, it's what he's talking about is I've been uniquely placed in a position to be on the training grounds to mm-hmm. be able to understand how to reach from because I coach kids from five to 25 mm-hmm. and uh, pro athletes as well. And so I understand that they know who loves them and cares about them and their future and who doesn't. I don't have to see them. I don't have to um, try to be something that I'm not. I don't have to. They know that there's a mutual respect, a mutual love. And oftentimes they I have, I don't know, even to this day, parents that call, mm-hmm. can you please talk to your athlete? <laughs> because listen there's to you a connection the, there. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it takes a lot. Of, it's about time and being consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they love that. That consistency yeah. is key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, a future show that I want to have is, I know you guys remember William Bill Sullivan, Dr. Sullivan. Well, I'm trying to get uh, Dr. Rogers, Dr. Cotton, Attorney Clinton, Attorney Scott. I've already made the initial contact because that brother did a lot for youth. And uh, one thing that I I just believe that we can't do when somebody transitions is we just kind of all the work they've done, we just kick to the side. Like Sam, me and Sam had some differences, Mm -hmm. Sam Smith. Mm -hmm. But... We before he passed, we buried the hatchet because there's an individual I won't call any names that Sam thought I should promote, and I had a different opinion of that, and based upon what I thought, and we okay, cool. But there was some work that I did with Chief Earl Green, trying to get several promotions made, and he did make some, but then there was some. He said, "No, I ain't doing that," and I can, and you think I'm gonna question him? When you when a person has a reason why they ain't gonna promote somebody, they have a good doggone reason, and it ain't my business. So I ain't pushing that envelope, <laughs> you know. And when I retired, there was black guys and white guys calling my house. Why is so and so doing such and such? Don't know, don't care. I don't work down there no more. And I said, y'all talked about my black butt when I was serving as fire chief, and they start laughing. <laughs> All right, see you later, man. But closing remarks, gentlemen, because I know we're getting close. Hey, see, Wes, I, I knew, man. I, me and him starting to get it, man. Yes. I looked over and gave him two minutes. Give us, give us some closing remarks, just in general, whatever you choose to, to talk about. I happen to be a student protege of Sam Smith. Mm-hmm. And um, him and actually one of the most life-changing experience I had was him just finding me mm-hmm. and dropping a seed to become a, a firefighter. And... Every time I get somewhere or do an interview or do something, I always bring up his name, and he would, he would every time I come in the office or go into the bookstore, he would his appreciation for that. He was like, "Oh, you ain't forgot." <laughs> and and <laughs> he did appreciate that because we did yes. talk about that. There are some guys that that forgot about Sam after they got on; they forgot about it. But Sam was extremely close to, if not in the eyes of many, because in my eyes for sure, Sam was an intellectual. Absolutely. This dude could talk about all, like, everything. Man, he could tell you my dude. resume before. Tell <laughs> 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 you <laughs> before. Yes, Ronnie, you got some. We got a little bit of time, so give us some closing remarks. Um, everyone, what you just heard was he said planted seeds, and mm-hmm. Dave wanted to know why did I say farmer? 
versus activist. Hello. And that is their reason. See, went over my head. Sam planted many seeds. True. And there is a bountiful harvest. How many students? Hundreds? Mm-hmm. That, Thousands. That, mm-hmm. that is a yeah. bountiful crop. And Sam poured so much into me and, and so many others. True. And I wanted to continue planting seeds like Sam did. It won't be like Sam. It'll be like Rodney, but it will be the best Rodney can do. And that's why I do the things that I do is I want to continue planting seeds. Lord have mercy. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and more. As we wrap up, I'm going to start calling myself a farmer. too. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, but I think that's 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 perfect because I'm like he said he's a farmer. Gentlemen. Great show. I appreciate you so much. And we'll have you back on because I think you guys' connection with young folks is very important for us to continue to share with our listening audience. 91.5 Jazz and More. Talk to you next week.